You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Austin Davison, your host of the show. And as always, joining me as co-host is Joe Pritchard. I'm not even going to talk about your team affiliation yet. How's it going this week, Joe? Well, beyond that, we, me and my family vacationed in northern Wisconsin this past weekend, and it was a lovely time. So Great. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good all around. Great. Now, we're going to talk some happenings in the CFL this week and last week. But first, just out of a personal interest, I wanted to talk about to Joe about a CFL project that he's working on uh, recently. Now. We've long-time listeners of the show will recall that we've spoken with the founder and creator of Play, that's P-L-A-A-Y, sports board games, tabletop board games, uh, before. And Joe was so interested in their CFL product, Cold Snap, that he has taken to writing some games. And so I wanted to ask Joe about the games that he's writing nowadays. As I understand it, you're pretty much finished with, is it, is it more accurate to call them game boards or cards uh, for the 1986 season? You can call them team sheets, I guess. Oh, sheets, okay. Yeah, just seems to be the way it's meant, way it's talked about. Uh, so I got the idea to do 86 because I right. got asked about a month ago, maybe a little bit less than a month ago, but somewhere in that frame to write a review of the uh, Cold Snap game for Sports Sim Magazine. So in the process of getting together with the with the founders and editors of that, of, uh, that publication, it was mentioned that uh, they had great interest in 1986 because Rick Johnson, uh, the quarterback of the Calgary Stampeders that season, um, had a great season, and he is an alumnus of Southern Illinois, which hmm. I'm taking to be- I'm believing is also where the founder of the magazine is uh, went to as well, or at least had a rooting interest in. I can't say for sure which is which of those is true, but obviously the rooting interest is there. And he said, "Well, if '86 was ever made, I'd probably buy the game." Well, I kind of just I kind of just went, you know what? I've made 1987 before actually twice uh but i've made 1987 before how much different can 1986 be i'm kind of in i've kind of done that i've kind of done that loop before and have a sense of where these teams are at so i should be able to make an interesting uh product off of this and the wonderful thing about play games is that these games all all or i i want i want to say all but at least most of them have how-to guides to create your own seasons that have not mm. been created by the uh, game manufacturers. And they've gotten, they have all, all the recent seasons since 2009 when they created the game, and a few in the past, uh, I believe, 1960, 68, 71, 76, 91, which we'll talk about later, of course. Uh, 95 exists too, but there's a real hole in the 80s that I've kind of taken to trying to cover up because I'm interested in that in that um, realm of the CFL. So I follow his the manufacturer's guidelines as to how many points to give a team per se. Um, it's a very simple system for most players where uh, 
a zero is a deficient player, a one is an average player, and a two is a superior player with plus and minus modifiers for wherever you are in the field. So based off of how many yards a team has either gained or given up in a given season, whether rushing or passing, that helps you assign the points. And then you assign the key ball carriers grades so that they can match their personal performances in the scope of the team performance too. So I've been spending the last couple of weeks putting that together uh, for all nine teams of the 86 season. I'm just doing research as to who was the actual starters at different positions so I can try to make it um, as accurate as possible for players that either just want to take in a quick game at a glance and say, hey, this is what 86 felt like, or, and I'm also including more depth and detail for the player that wants to go, okay, well, who was available in week one? Who could, who, who would I have used if, if I'm trying to mimic real life? So there's right. a lot of time and effort that goes into that sort of thing. But uh, the more of that I look into, the more accurate I can make the main presentation as well. What are your resources for that? How do you find week one rosters of 1986? I've been leaning hard on newspapers.com, which right. happens to have, I believe they have uh, an Ottawa paper, see an Ottawa paper pretty heavily, a Montreal paper. English language Montreal paper. Yes, thankfully, because uh, my French isn't good enough to, to read that, that level of detail. Uh, there's two, there's Regina and Saskatoon, uh, Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver. So I believe there's the, the three teams that I don't have direct newspaper reports from are Hamilton, um, Toronto, and Winnipeg, but you can usually go to the the other six and get a good sense. And really, you don't need to know the exact level of detail. It just kind of helps to know, hey, you got a you got a running back that played ten games and a running back that played eight. Well, which ten games did this running back play, and which eight games did that one play? So you don't have to know, and it and the newspapers aren't going to sit there and tell you, hey, going into this game, here's the depth chart. It's more more so of, right. hey, this player draws in, this player's out for this reason. Hey, this player's injured, this player's coming onto the roster, and then you just kind of have to guess sometimes as to who's actually in a starting spot any given week. But as long as you have the player that started in that position the most, you're going to have a pretty accurate product. That's interesting. You point out that they actually give you a guide on how to create the past seasons, because this is always one feature at tabletop games that I used to look at. And to some extent, you can still do this with computer sim games as well, is how transparent are they about the process of creating these things? Like something like Stratomatic, for those who have played, that's probably the most famous baseball game. Uh, for those who have seen that, that's totally opaque, right? You can figure it out. You can make your own card uh, based on the odds and the statistics. You can do it. But it's not a situation like this where they tell you how to do it. And then, you know, you have something in between like APA where there was a fan magazine and then the fans would break the codes. You know, so they would say, okay, this combination of numbers beats this outcome and da-da-da-da-da-da. And so through that, you could make your own. And that magazine and that fan base was sponsored by the company. So they didn't mind that you do the sequence, right? So there's this whole, these different levels 
of player creation and league creation, which I find really valuable to know. Because, of course, I'm completely into creating my own stuff. Um, now, you only play Cold Snap from play, right? No, I play quite a few of the games, although really saying I play these games. It's more like they're sitting in my closet right now just because I have a three-year-old and I also watch right. three or four CFL games a week. So right. time, time is not actually a fact uh, thing I have all that much of right now. Um, and plus but, those are daddy's toys. Right, right. right. <laughs> I do have the American version of the football game called Second Season. Uh, I have the baseball game, um, History Maker Baseball. I do also have the Hockey Blast version. Oh, uh, there's a lot of games that are that use that have the same mechanism. Some of the same mechanisms are all called blast games. I do happen to own Soccer Blast and the Cross Blast too, uh, but those yes. get a lot less play. Uh, even when I have time, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do have a quite a cross section of these. Nice. I would say the two games that make it the easiest to make your own, um, make your own universe, so to speak, would be the football games um, and the baseball game. Yeah, gotta be baseball. Right, the baseball one is pretty simple to use. Um, the football one's a little bit more. A little bit, you gotta have a little bit more knowledge um, of the players and such, uh, as far as the depth charts and the and who and the relative value of each player in a given position group. Whereas, you know, your your for example, your past def, your past defense, uh, your defensive back positions are going to alter completion percentage. Your defensive line positions are right, going right. to affect the sack percentage, and the linebackers are somewhere in between. So if you if you know you're going to give say six points to your defensive line, well, who were your better players on the defensive line? They get the mm -hmm. extra points as opposed to the uh, right. as opposed to the rest of the players. So that's a little bit more challenging to do than say, hey, you got a guy with a two eighty batting average. Well, that's this. That's this thing. You put this thing on the card. But it's cyclical too. I've met people, <laughs> younger people than I, who tell me that they learned the finer points of NFL football because they played a lot of Madden. And I'm also one of them. Well, that was the thing for me, is that when I was 10, 11, 12, whatever, I learned the finer points of football through tabletop games. I mean, it wasn't just a thing where you go, oh, yeah, there's five guys on the offensive line, and I don't really understand what the offensive line does. You had to pick those players, and they had ratings at doing different stuff, run blocking, pass blocking, and stuff, and you learn. You learned what makes those players valuable and why this guy's an all-pro and this guy isn't, and da-da-da-da-da-da. So I think it's valuable for that in that respect. But baseball, <laughs> I mean, Joe, there's a reason why for every one football tabletop game, there's 15 tabletop baseball games. Right, because of the numbers, the numbers that yeah. baseball creates yeah. are so are are so much easier to digest than, yeah. than football. Yeah. Um, so easy. So it so it takes a little bit more nuance to make a football game work. But that's and, and doing the research for this eighty six project has really kind of get given me this sense of how that season flowed. And right. Right. Uh, it's it's not a season I really ever spent a lot of time on because it didn't have a classic Grey Cup. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't have it didn't have a 
a bomber team that was great. It didn't really have a lot of stories that resonate throughout the years. But once you sit down and dig into the newspapers, you still find some interesting right. things going on. Right. Yeah. You always overturn some kind of historical thing. That was a bit of a tangent. But just real quick before we get on to present day, um, the one that you're working on next is 1982. Now, don't tell me you got a request for that. No, I didn't. Um, it's just that I, there were so many there were so many players that I was quote unquote meeting for the first time and with 1986 that I knew went back further. Um, like 1981, I bump into all the time because it's one of those seasons that uh, had a classic great cup. It had so it had some fantastic players. It had. Right. Uh, it had some real storylines that resonate throughout the years, like how Montreal decided to try to buy half an NFL roster and completely crater and happened to make the playoffs with three wins, which doesn't get, you know, it's one of those things that's frankly kind of embarrassing for the CFL, but it's a story that keeps getting told. So I've seen that it, it was one of the free seasons with cold snap when I first bought the game. It's, it's in an old, DOS and slash Windows computer game that was the first CFL gaming mm. I ever had had 81 as its base. So it, that's a season I knew a lot about. Right. And then I've got a black hole in between that and say 1987, right. where I spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to reconstruct what the Montreal Alouettes would have looked like. And it was really my that was my first experience trying to dive into the mechanics of Cold Snap and making that happen. So I had to actually build 87 as it happened to have stats to use for when I messed around and moved players around. So uh, I kind of had this hole, though, in between 81 and 87, where I don't have a lot of depth and knowledge. Then I got the request for 86, and I was getting back closer to 80, 81, but there's still that hole there. So I decided to start from the beginning, so to speak, instead of going backwards and doing like 85 next, I decided, well, maybe we'll go 82 and learn some more about these players as they were younger and kind of try to fill in that knowledge gap I have. Yeah, I find that when you're playing a season of one of these games, that most of the time to do the season directly after or before is a little redundant. You know, I mean, rarely do you have two really classic seasons for whatever reason back to back you know in football of any sort you know so i can kind of understand yeah you, you want to go back a little bit or go forward a little bit but i like that i like how you're covering that gap that's a, what was the name what was what was the dos game you were playing with the 1981 season as a base it was, that? The, it was from the CFLopedia group. Uh, Grant Letterhouse created this a long, long time ago. Hmm. Uh, there's still a Windows version out there, I believe, that you can wow, play. Really? Yeah, it's it's still out there. It's I believe it still exists. So something to toy around with, uh, definitely. Um, it I just I find the Cold Snap game engine to be one I'd rather spend more time in, though. To be fair. on let's go back to the present let's say let's talk some cfl in the present day uh, of course 
we talked a little bit about Ottawa 34, Edmonton 24 last week, which seems about a month ago at this point on the last episode of Bruce Right Blue. So let's go on and talk a few other games from last week. Some interesting results, to say the least. Uh, last Friday night, it was, this is getting to be a cliche, Winnipeg Blue Bombers 30 at BC Lions 9. Running out of adjectives here, Joe. Still really testing my vocabulary here. Here are the BC Lions playing pretty well, getting a lot of hype with a three-game winning streak, coming off the close loss to Saskatchewan, seeming to be rounding into form. Michael Riley looking better all the time. And then, no. No, absolutely no. Just like everybody else. No answers for the Bombers starting right at the top of Zach Galeros. Ridiculous. I mean, is this the best game he's ever had? 28 of 33, 417 yards, only two touchdowns and zero picks. Kenny Lawler alone gets 205 yards on 12 receptions based on 14 targets, which was more for him in both categories than the previous three weeks combined. And like, damn, <laughs> what can you say about these guys at this point, Joe? Uh, I think they've made it very clear that they are in a tier by themselves right now. We've been talking most of the season about three different tiers. Now, they're, they're, there's a tier for Winnipeg alone and then everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you... But but you said last week that you would scratch the uh, the Elks, yeah, right? So I, 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 okay, so three tiers: Winnipeg, right, right, so everybody else, sure. and the Elks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These games seem to be reinforcing that notion quite a bit. Now, Kenny Lawler, after this game, was in the news for uh, apparently getting arrested for, or at least taken in for, and then confessing to team officials before it became public that he had been busted for DWI. DWI. Uh, do you know anything specific about this, Joe? I know the team has, has, has suspended him indefinitely, but is there anything mm -hmm. else on this story? I don't think it's indefinitely. I believe it's for one game. Oh. And it's just to show that they're, not happy with him for that for the very reason of being caught with a DUI in the first place, which mm -hmm. is no, it's just not a good thing. Um, and we're very, very lucky that we're just we're talking about it in the sense that he did something bad, and it's we're not talking about it in the sense of he did something bad and ruined somebody else's life or right. his own life. Right. We're lucky we're not talking about that. So let's just yeah. to put that in perspective that. Uh, in the larger scheme of things, he's a very, very lucky young man right now. He also seems to have the support of his team and his teammates, but the team is obviously making it clear that this is an unacceptable action and there must be consequences for this. Not to steal a line from Cavis Reed, but they're actually going through and making sure that it's clear that they're upset, but they have his back going forward, assuming this is the one time this sort of thing yeah. ever happens. 
Yeah. If this is as clear cut as it sounds like through the media so far, hopefully this is hopefully lessons have been learned. Uh, hopefully this never happens again. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope not. And hopefully we can move on from here. Yeah, trust me. I got a real thing about DWI. I got a real, I don't know why it gets me so much, but as far as I'm concerned, it is literally one of the worst things the average person can do because mm-hmm. everybody it's can just, drive and everybody does drive. Just the sheer lack of consideration for what it could do to others. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we've gotten so complacent just about, Oh yeah. Hey, you know, anytime I want, I can get my car and go, you know, up to 120 miles per hour on the highway. You know, we don't even think anything of it. So of course, when you're blasted, you don't think anything of it. Oh, of course I can do that. Sure, that's completely possible. Yes, sir. Sure, except human reflexes aren't really designed to react at 120 miles per hour, especially when inebriated. You know, that shit goes to your reflexes. <laughs> Guys, now, now, Kenny, you know, let's hope that this is a one-off. Let's hope that this was just him being giddy about this ridiculous performance he put in. And that he doesn't do something disresponsible again. I think you're right, Joe. And uh, yeah, real happy that nobody got hurt by this. Because if there's one thing the entire sport of football can't take right now, it's another crime scene with bodies lying about. Um, BC Lions. At this point, they were looking really good, arguably even last week. And now you're just putting them in that generic second tier, aren't you? You kind of have to. Okay. I mean, it, it was clear that they were they did not play a good game this past week. Uh, okay. They could not handle Winnipeg's offense. They could not handle Winnipeg's defense. And they got it. That offensive line against Winnipeg's defensive line was a mismatch, and it's something that I should have just made that connection and not tried to get cute last week when I was making my predictions. Um, that offensive line still has its issues. It's not nearly as bad as last season, at least from the looks of things. Uh, But I did notice a couple of things watching this. In the second half, BC was trying to run screens to get away from this defensive line. Yeah. And they were connecting on the passes, but but the two linemen that they had out front blocking for the screen would just completely whiff. Yeah. Which would make the gain minimal at best. Mm-hmm. which is in, in the entire point of the screenplay is to get the offensive lineman out in front of the back in the open field and have them take a couple guys and let the back do the rest. Well, they couldn't hand, even handle that assignment. So it, wasn't, it just wasn't a better day for BC up and down the field. Well, this has been discussed on this program, right? <clears throat> the quality of offensive line play question. And, you know, in my opinion, I tend to be way more holistic about these things. I think it's down across the board in all forms of football. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so much emphasis on passing in all forms of the game now that you're doing a high percentage of plays in a spread formation. And in the spread formation, the deal is the offensive lineman throws the block and that's it. That's the end of his obligation, right? There's a reason they called the run and shoot in the 80s the chuck and duck, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the other trend that's happening is since 
guys that are that fear the rush are doing that. They're bailing out. They're throwing the screen. They're checking up. They're checking down. But defenses are getting sophisticated enough that they're nailing that guy for no gain. Now, you know, again, they're outplaying that offensive line. And again, I see this everywhere. I see this in college. I see this in the NFL. I've seen this everywhere. So, kind of an endemic problem. Got a better, better solution to that. Perhaps the solution is to play a lot more three-down football, which is what the Alouettes are doing. Alouettes twenty-three, Hamilton Tiger Cats twenty in overtime. I'm getting I'm getting heart attacks just thinking about this game. Um, you know, uh, I guess the heart attack team in the CFL this year is the Alouettes. I think we won and we lost this game about six times in the fourth quarter alone. <laughs> it's really some crazy stuff. Vernon Adams is a real make or break quarterback, but it was the defense that bailed us out a couple of times, forcing two key fumbles at key points of the game. Uh, like I said, I'm going to break out the defibrillator, Joe. Um, do, what, what were your takeaways from this really exciting game that, that brought back no lead to save? Yep. Hamilton had a chance to show that they were the beast of, beast of the East and so they couldn't finish the job. Uh, they have a lot of problems on offense right now. Uh, they are actually getting less production out of Jeremiah Mazzoli than I thought they, they would have. Uh, just they're not everybody and their mother and you and me both were thinking that Hamilton was going to run off with the East and leave everybody in the dust this year. And that's just not happening because they don't have the offensive production to make that defense stand up. Well, we were seeking the consistency from the Tiger guys. It's just not there. Right. Nope. I mean, nope. Mon- Montreal is the most mercurial team in this league. On If you're having a good day, you should be able to beat them. Right. Literally any team of any quality right now. But, you know, the Ticats could not do that, which is showing to me that, you know, this is not the consistent, um, solid across the board team. Like, again, at the beginning of the season, you know, we were presuming that, okay, they're not going to screw anything up. You know, they're not below average in any situation but you know they kind of are you know the the passing game hasn't been in the season no matter who's in there and i'm glad you brought up Masoli because kind of before the game there was a buzz on twitter you know Masoli's coming back great 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 okay can we stop getting excited about the quarterback coming back off an of injury okay when was the last time especially in the cfl this really produced awesome results. I mean, seriously, we're always expecting that guy to come out and, you know, have a, have a Caleros game. Well, here's Caleros' comeback stats when he came back in late 2019 in his first game. Okay. You know, 22 of 28 for 221 yards, two TDs, one interception. You know, hardly going to win that game. They did win that game. It was really close. Uh, you know, but that's not a, a franchise quarterback line. You know, they're expecting Mazzoli to come back and, you know, be the great quarterback, great cup quarterback again. You know, just hang on, man. hang on. In fact, he really only looked relaxed and good on the very last time they had the ball in regular time, where it was just, Dink 15 yards, dink 15 yards, dink 15 yards. Montreal's just letting him 
complete him. That was the only time he looked good. You know, so it was just like, let's relax on this. You know, oh my God, our, our number one's coming back. Okay, you might not win this week when that happens, guys. Okay, just, I mean, do you agree, Joe? I mean, well, they, there's some agreement there, but there's also got to be the thought in Hamilton right now that their best quarterback is on the injured list. Mm. Uh, Mazzoli came into 2019. Gangbusters had a pretty decent start and was out after, what, game six? And now yep. 2021, he's had a couple of games. He's had a couple of injuries. He's not really been impressive in any way shape or form dane evans was the one that was putting up neat the 30 point performance the, the only one they've had and a couple of other decent games before he went down and then david watford uh, was able to game manage basically and keep and keep and keep moving the ball and keep their and keep their defense off the field and then help make their defense when their defense stood up help help them help them stand on their two feet whereas Mazzoli's hasn't been able to do that this year mm-hmm. what are they on three in Mazzoli starts now I think so no I think so I think so actually Joe, I was gonna say Hamilton's best quarterback is playing for Winnipeg <laughs> I was thinking during that game not only not only is Caleros making us forget uh you know that he was ever away. He's, he, you know, he's making us think that time never existed. I mean, it, it's like this guy traveled back in the time machine a couple, two and a half years. You know, I mean, fantastic. I guess, you know, in hindsight, Hamilton should have found some way to keep him on a unable to perform list or something, you know, because this dude can still play. You know? One of the surprises of the season, I think. Um, finally, poof. Last and least. Calgary Stampeders 23. Rough Riders 16. I didn't even bother writing down the score. I was so miffed about this game. Um, this game really bothered me. I was I was really bummed out about this game. Both teams played really poorly. And then <laughs> I guess, okay, I guess you can't talk about this game without talking about that. And you know, um, how does Calgary? allow the riders to convert the the onside kick with the new rules that we have these days protecting all the players twice how, how does that happen and then and then the riders can't even score i mean did this bother you this game just pissed me off this i, I really was getting upset at this game Again, it was uh, it was a chance for a team to make a statement, and they failed to do so. Uh, mm. Saskatchewan had only lost to Winnipeg, and the, it, if they could bowl through the rest of their regular season and keep beating teams left and right, they could just go, hey, we just had a couple of off weeks. Maybe we don't match up great with Winnipeg, but hey, we're clearly number two, and we got another shot at them. Well, now, are they? <laughs> are they? Maybe they're number two right now in the standings, but are they the second best team in this league? Who is the second best team in this league at this point? Do we know? Uh, this week? <laughs> yeah, like right now. Toronto? Winnipeg's, Winnipeg's number one. Edmonton's number nine. 
Who's number two? Right now, it's pro- it's probably still Saskatchewan because they did lose on the road um, just by six. They fell behind early on the road and couldn't quite catch up. It was a close loss. It wasn't it wasn't a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. But they also had the chance to, to take one of their competitors and push them further down the standings. And it's a team that has shown remarkable resiliency over the years. They still have a heck of a coaching staff. They still have quarterback talent. They're not a team that's they're clearly not the same team they've been over the last decade. But they're also not out of the. They're not out of this anymore. They they were able to get themselves back into playoff contention. If they can end up number three in the e or number three in the West, and who knows? Well, yeah, but here's what bugged me about this game is that I felt like you know again it was one of these things where you felt like Calgary didn't win the game. You know, Saskatchewan lost. I mean, Bo Levy, 16 of 25, 184 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I mean, you know, this is the winning quarterback. But wait, here's the losing quarterback who whose team was in it until the final drive of the game. 25 of 44, 269 yards, zero TDs versus one pick. I mean, this is just a terrible game. I, the fact that I mean, I mean, this was one of those. I hope both teams lose. <laughs> you know, I really did because, man, Calgary can take the W, but this was not. This was not an honorable win. They all count the same, though. I guess. Yep, they count these the same as the blowouts. Yep. So let's talk about week 10 games. Week 10 games. As we're taping this, the now eight and a half point underdog Ottawa Red Blacks are at Toronto. So I actually don't have this up. I guess I'm watching the tape today. So I don't know what's going on. I can't give any spoilers to Joe. But let's talk those other games later in week 10 on Friday. We start with, and again, I was talking to Joe about this for the show. This line blows me away. Edmonton Elks. Plus 14, 14 point underdogs at Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Absolutely ridiculous good time. I mean, I understand this is the Blue Bombers. I understand this is Joe's number nine Edmonton Elks. But wow, I mean, this is like 2007 New England, New England Patriots stuff. I, I know you've got Winnipeg win. I've got Winnipeg win. The, the question is, do they cover the 14? I don't see why not. <laughs> I mean, they're they're at home. They're facing a team that's really struggling. Like they don't have an identity right now. <laughs> they might have Trevor Harris back, but is that going to help when there's no? There's just nothing going on there. It's not whatever's go, whatever's happening isn't working. Uh, they have too much talent to be playing like this, but yet they continue week in and week out to play like this. At the end of the season, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see a full scale change, uh, GM, coach, what have you, and you really can't put the blame on Jamie Elizondo for the most part. He's had one shot at this, but he didn't have a good hand dealt to him this year. 
it's funny you say they have no identity right now. It's like, dude, we're halfway through the season. <laughs> um, well, I guess their identity is the team that has too much talent to be playing like this. What, what, right. What, we're, what, what, how can we shorten that up? What's their identity? <laughs> well, the underwhelming team of the season. There you go. You know, the, under, uh, the underachievers of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, actually, I erred about the overachievers of the year, Toronto Argonauts uh, versus Ottawa. They're actually not playing as we speak. They're playing tomorrow. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and they're playing on Wednesday. We're going to release this on a Wednesday. But, hey, real quick, what, what did we pick? We both took Toronto in this game. The line's eight and a half now. Do, do, we, do they cover? That'd be a little bit harder. I do think Ottawa found something. They have, they have a spark that Edmonton doesn't. While we're while we're on that subject, they they haven't given up yet. If they had given up, they would have they it would have been clear last week, and they still had some fire. They may be undermanned compared to the rest of the league, but they're not the free space on the bingo card anymore as long as they have a quarterback that isn't giving up the ball and can also get the ball downfield from time to time that's all they need and that's what they have right now so they might be eighth seventh or eighth they probably won't get any higher than that this year but they're no longer the free space and well they're dangerous if you're if you're an ottawa fan you're probably taking that right now and being okay with it for the moment they're the classic spoiler, right? I mean, it could because, very well be, yes. Yeah, in some respects, they're looking at guys who might still be around next year. They're going to try out some young guys. There's a lot of guys who, who just want to win ball games or just have something to prove, whatever. So, yeah, to me, this is like a classic spoiler team. Okay. Yeah. I would not be shocked if they win one of the two games this next week. I just couldn't tell you which one. Yeah. Well, no, not the Montreal game. So, on Saturday, then we'll have Calgary and Saskatchewan rematch. Now, this is the second part of the trilogy because I guess in a week or two, we're getting the third game in this mini series uh, this season. Calgary is still going in as a two and a half point underdog. Uh, do you see Saskatchewan bouncing back? I'm going to take Saskatchewan in this game minus the field goal because. I honestly am still not sure what happened to them last game, and I'm honestly not sure why they lost that game. Yeah, I'm taking them too, and I'm taking them to have to show us that Calgary isn't in their isn't in their realm anymore. But I also thought that was the case last week, so we'll see. If, yeah, we'll see if I'm actually we'll see if I'm actually overestimating. My team, my team's rival. <laughs> we'll see about that. But Saskatchewan th- has this weird thing going on this season where when they're on, they're unstoppable. But it seems like at times that it's just like, well, this game's over or I'm shagged out or whatever. And then it's just nothing. It's just nothing. You know, again, like like Calgary can win a game when their starting quarterback is passing for 150 yards. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just it. I don't know. The the riders are they're they're making me nuts. I'm glad I'm not playing cricket this year. Uh, they'd have burned me 15 times already. All right, 
after that, the game that Joe says Ottawa might win outright, <laughs> the six and a half point underdogs at Montreal. Now, now this is Ottawa feeling the effects of that canceled Edmonton game, right? No, this is the regular that this is the regular. This schedule. was part of the schedule. Okay, yeah, I'm getting yep. confused uh, about that. Now, the over under on this game is 50 and a half, which I think is pretty ridiculous. Uh, I can. Totally... Well, I guess they're expecting Montreal to score forty of those. Well, yeah, but that's ridiculous. It was six three at halftime last week, and I know Mad Shields played a bunch in the second quarter, but th- that's. I'm sorry, and I know they missed the field goal. Okay, so then it might have been six to six or nine to six. There, come on now, come on now. Um, Montreal tends to get some, tends to take time to get going. Yep, you know this. And season. this is going to be a game where Montreal is going to dictate who wins or loses this game. Right, and it's right. going to be, and Ottawa is going to play at a certain level, give or take a little bit. Montreal is either going to blow them away, make so many mistakes that they keep Ottawa in the game, or make even more mistakes and let Ottawa walk away with it. And I couldn't tell you which team is going to show up this week. I think that, well, you know, the cliche is the battle of the trenches. I think Montreal has such an advantage in there that, I mean, look, they, you know, Hamilton ostensibly has one of the better offensive lines in the league. I understand they're pretty dinged up right now, but still, Montreal got four sacks uh, last week and made it look easy. I mean, and I think this same thing could happen to Ottawa. I mean, I, you know, you imagine a 7 3, a you know, 6-6 six, six halftime or whatever. And then Montreal, second half team, makes those adjustments. You know, they let Adams run wild. Same old story. And your final score is like 27. Easily about. I mean, just Ottawa is alive. So they're not just going to let Montreal walk all over them. But again, I just think that the advantage of the Montreal D against that Ottawa line is just too much. It's just too much. I think that even if Adams, you know, give his way to Schultz again. That Montreal still going to win this by a couple of touchdowns. So yeah. I do have Montreal taken in this game, just to be clear. But I could, <laughs> I could see a lot. I could see a lot of different results in this game, and I would go not that surprised. I think the only thing that would blow me away is if Ottawa just walked away with it the whole oh, way. Yeah, sure. And just manhandled Montreal, and sure. Montreal didn't even make that many mistakes. But Ottawa was just better. I don't see that happening. But anything else is on the table. No, Ottawa running away with it could be on the table too. Yeah, Ottawa gets a twenty-point lead, say, and then you know Vernon starts making mistakes. You know, he starts getting crazy, and, and right. all of a sudden he has a five-interception game. My scenario I mean, so- doesn't include the five interceptions. Maybe. Right. Right, right. Montreal playing a decent game and getting blown out. No, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Vernon Adams like losing his mind and and getting and the Montreal getting blown out. That's in play. That's in play. I don't think that's going to happen. But, but that could happen anytime this season. For example, when they play Winnipeg in a couple of weeks. <laughs> anyway, last but not least, the uh, Monday, I guess late afternoon for the East Coast, one o'clock PST. Wow. Love it. The Canadian football game's on early Monday out here on the West Coast. Toronto, four-and-a-half-point underdog at Hamilton. That's a slap in the face to Toronto. I'm going Toronto here. I, I am starting to believe in Toronto. 
by hook or by crook, they did exactly what Joe said they were going to do at the end of the season. They get all these guys, all these different teams, you know, 27 of them from Calgary, 27 from Montreal. You know, they got to put them together. It's going to take some time to gel, but I think they're about as good as they're going to be. Uh, they still have a question at quarterback, but most other parts of this team seem to be firing a lot better than in Hamilton. I'll take Toronto to win outright at Hamilton. Here's why I'm taking Montreal and Hamilton on Monday. Okay. Both Ottawa and Toronto play on Wednesday and then have to turn around and play Monday. That's uh, a five game turnaround or four days of four days. Yes. Yeah. Hamilton has, well, is going to have nine. Montreal is going to have, well, nine because they played each other. So they're going to have the benefit of the rest. Um, without that i'm with you i feel like toronto wins this game but with four days rest and going into hamilton which is still a thing even though i don't think you believe quite as much but i think steinhauer what this past week lost his first home game there i think i think that's what i was hearing yeah like 2019 well they were 15 and three so they were they would have won it they would have won yeah they were undefeated at all they would have won in the Yukon. They would have won in Mexico City. So it didn't matter that much. But uh, yeah, it's the first home game Steinhauer loss is what I was hearing. So it's a big deal. Hamilton's a big deal at home in Toronto with only four days rest. I'm going to go with Hamilton. Change the scenario a little bit. And I go probably go Toronto. But in this setup, I've got Hamilton. And it's going to be was- an ugly. it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a 17 to 16 game like the last time these two teams played. It's just going to go the other way. Eh, well, most American fans will be working anyway, so no problem. <laughs> um, I better go check and see if I can get the day off. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Well, the Ottawa, man, I don't know. These games, uh, you can tape them. You can tape them. <laughs> these games might be worth the price of admission. I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we fall. Um, wow, you just really put visions of grandeur in my head there, Joe. Talk about your CFL expansion. They're going to put a team in Mexico City? Uh, Really? Probably not, no. Really? I think think the greater point I'm making is they could have played anywhere on the planet in 2015, (laughs) except for Calgary in November for some reason, or Calgary ever. Calgary ever, really, for Hamilton seems to be a thing. True. But... Yeah. Uh, did you expect the Bombers to walk away with the Grey Cup in 2019 like they did? Oh, no, absolutely not. No. I remember they, they had the whole, they had the away road the whole way. They were underdogs. You know, it was the classic, like, underdog story. You know, they were underdogs the whole way up. I mean, geez, I picked a blowout. I did the, the Roots, White, and Blue, this show with Rod via Gomez. Uh, instead, because you were actually there, you bastard. Yes. Uh, yes enjoying the game and uh, enjoying your team winning it all. And uh, yeah, and I said, I said, I think this is going to be on to and out, mind you. Yeah, right. I did the live right. show. I, me and Mike, me and Mike, was Mike our guest last week or was that the week? Uh, yeah. Yeah, me and Mike were both on the show that week, and I just said, here's the, here's the blueprint for how Winnipeg wins this game, and that's exactly what they did, which yeah. is the last time I got a CFO prediction right. So, you know, <laughs> at least I've got that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I picked a blowout. I, I, I thought Hamilton's going to walk with it. I really did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I'm the guy who 
bet the last three Super Bowls wrong. So, you know, don't listen to me. To, to be fair, I only did that because of the odds. And also, don't ask me my pick'em record. I'm not even going to tell you right now. Oh, right. Yeah. The pick'em record. Okay, we won't go into that. In any case, let's get out of here. I got to get out of here. So let's close this episode of Bruce Bruce the podcast with Joe Pritchard's words of wisdom, which are... Go Bombers. <laughs> wow, that's deep, man. Go home teams this week. It's, I picked a home sweep. So, you know, go ahead and load up on the visitors and make yourself some bank because my pick'em record is abominable. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, fade Joe on the picks. For my co-host, Joe Pritchard, I'm Al Stevens. And we will talk to you right here on the Bruce White Blue next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.